a dwarf? I don't want to be a dwarf. I wanted to be like a ninja or a fighter. Well, well, dwarves are fighters. They're really good at it. Are you a dwarf? No. I'm Kragenworth the Destroyer. Lucky, man. I want to be some huge destroyer guy. Dwarves can do a lot of things that huge guys can't do. It's true. Take it from me. Yeah, dwarves are really tough. They're good at finding jewels. Alright, fine. I'll be a dwarf. But my name is Carlos. Heyo, welcome back to Thank Fucking God It's Friday. I'm Drew. And I'm Katie. And today we're on part two of Freaks and Geeks, focusing today on... The Freaks. The Freaks. Yes, we decided that one episode wasn't enough to talk about a show that only had one season. And not even the full season. It had 18 episodes. <laughs> yeah, just decided, you know, I know we've gone over shows that had like eight, nine, ten seasons, spinoffs, things like that. And we can knock those out in one show. But this one, there's just too much stuff. There is. And I think both of us just love it too much to talk about it in one episode. And yeah, there's so many actors who went on to a bunch of different things. But then also we have the creative team that also has gone on to have really huge careers. Yeah. Judd Apatow and Paul Feig. Yeah. You know, they did some some decent things. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, actually, before we get into the freaks, um, do you want to talk a little bit about the show's creative team? Yeah, let's get into them. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the thing I know Jed Apatow best from is, you know, movies like Knocked Up and all those, uh, the things that are basically all the same people from from this. Yep. But this was basically his first big thing, and it was originally developed by Paul Feig. He created it as sort of an autobiographical homage to his high school life in suburban Detroit. And yeah, I, uh, I read some stuff that like almost all of the stories from it, all the plot lines were things that either happened to him or Judd or any of the writers. Yeah. Um, he had people like answer a bunch of questions on a questionnaire that were like, what was the best thing that happened to you in high school? What was the most humiliating thing that happened to you? What was your first sexual experience? And people didn't know that it was going to be passed around in binders. <laughs> I did not know that part. Yeah. I, I guess, yeah, if if you were to tell me that, I'd be like, mm, maybe we're not going to have all the same answers here. <laughs> yeah, so people would like read about people's embarrassing stories and be like, oh, that sucks, man. <laughs> uh, there was one episode, though, that at least had one story that wasn't from them, and that was yeah. the thing with uh, that was the thing with Ken when he finds out that his girlfriend may may have both parts. Yeah, and that one I think was kind of just like, well, the show's not going to get picked up anyway, so let's just do this. <laughs> yeah, they're already canceled, so screw it, just yeah. go for it. I, I don't know if they were actually canceled at that t time, but they knew that it was. Well, I mean, that was one of the last couple episodes, oh, so I, I assume that's after they were canceled. Yeah, I don't know if they... Yeah, I don't know the timeline. <laughs> but yeah, Paul Feig's acting career wasn't working out, so he decided to start to write. And he had just been let go from his role as Mr. Poole, the biology teacher on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Never seen it. Haha. <laughs> -ha. 
what was that like episode five or something for us? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, another connection back to the other 90s shows. And it was around that time that he and Judd Apatow ran into each other and they knew each other from basically just the comedy scene, but they'd also done heavyweights together. I, I love heavyweights. I do too. <laughs> uh, I don't know why, but like one of the things that I'll just say a lot, and I don't know if you've noticed me say it before, but I say do it to it Lars a lot. Uh, it's not ringing a bell. <laughs> uh, it's when he, uh, Ben Stiller is laying down and he's got like, I forget what's on his chest, but they're like, or, you know, he's laying on the, uh, on the bed of nails yeah, and like somebody's going to hit him oh. or like step on him and he's just laying there. He's like, do it, do it, Lars. And I just, <laughs> I don't know why that line sticks with me. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. And Goldberg from Mighty Ducks is in that movie too. And he's also in Freaks and Geeks, obviously, because we talked about him last week. Yeah. So Goldberg, what, I forget his actual name. Doesn't matter. Sean he's Goldberg. Sean something. Weiss. Sean White. Yeah. No, it's Sean Weiss. Yeah. Weiss. Yeah. Yeah. So he ran into Judd Apatow and he asked him if he had written anything for TV. And within a couple months, he had a script for Freaks and Geeks over to him. And he had his wife read it first, and she was like, no, you have to send that over to Judd. And as soon as Judd read it, like, which was, I think, within a few hours or something, he called him back and was like, we're doing this. I mean, I wish that everyone would have seen it that way. And, yeah. And like, yes, this is going to be a great show. But then maybe we wouldn't be talking about it the same way now. Maybe they would have done a second season, and it would have sucked. And yeah, who knows? I mean, they did have network support for a while. Like when the network executive heard that they wanted to hire real kids to be the characters instead of like hiring known TV actors, he was like, yeah, go do it. And when he read the script, he was like, don't change a thing. Like, this is great. And that eventually changed a little bit later when I think one of the head people from the WB came over to NBC and he just didn't have the same opinions about teen dramas, teen comedies. Uh, going off the, the real kids thing, I know that one of the things I had found on there, too, was with uh, Busy Phillips and Linda Cardellini. Uh, they told them specifically not to lose weight mm -hmm. when they were going for this because they're like, we want you to look like real people, not like sticks. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's good, I guess. Yeah, no, I think it was a really authentic show. They, I talked a little bit about this last week, um, but when they were doing the scripts and stuff, Paul Feig had the characters for the geeks, like super mapped out, like what he wanted them to dress like, what they wanted them to talk like, all that stuff, but he had a little bit less for the freaks. And so when they went into casting, they were basically just trying to find unique people that they could write around. And I think that, worked really well for the show and made it seem like I'm going to say it authentic again because that's the first word that comes to my <laughs> mind but I mean it does make it feel relatable and just a good show I don't yeah, know it feels like actual <laughs> like things that could happen to people's lives and yeah rather than your teen drama where you're like oh let's follow the football player as they get into all of their you know athletic shenanigans and they go and they're at the frat parties that apparently happened in high school at people's houses where there's like people on balconies and all that stuff and keggers going on. No, they, they just do it like, well, I guess there was a kegger in this one, except <laughs> yeah. it was with N a beer. <laughs> yeah. And one of the writers who I think also played 
Kim Kelly's brother in the episode, Kim Kelly's my friend, he actually came from Dawson's Creek, writing on Dawson's Creek. And when he joined the team for Freaks and Geeks, he was like, oh, so we can do all of this stuff that I was telling them to do at Dawson's Creek. <laughs> I've never seen the Dawson, so <laughs> I guess I'll have to learn that when we get to it. Yeah, I mean, it's, I haven't seen all of it. I've seen bits and pieces of it, but it's basically what you think about when you think about a teen drama. Okay. A lot of love triangles and, I don't know, crying. (laughs) (laughs) So the show actually did win one Emmy over the time that it was on, and it was for casting, which I think is pretty clear with this show. So their risk of hiring their real kids paid off. So... We have Linda Cardellini playing Lindsay Weir, James Franco playing Daniel Desario, Jason Siegel playing Nick Andopoulos, Seth Rogen as Ken Miller, and Busy Phillips as Kim Kelly for the Freaks. We already talked more about the geeks last week, but I guess Kim Kelly was supposed to be a like guest starring role, and she took it against her better judgment. She had like run into Linda Cardellini, and when she asked if she was going to be on Freaks and Geeks, she was like... Ugh. I guess it would be fun to do that together. <laughs> Were they friends beforehand? Yeah, they like knew each other okay. as like sort of acquaintances, I guess. <clears throat> that was the vibe I got. Okay. Did not know that. Yeah. So like we were saying last week, Lindsay Weir, she's kind of the center of the story, not just with the freaks, but basically with the show in general. In the pilot, her grandmother has recently died and Lindsay was there when it happened. And when she asked what she saw like as she was dying her grandma said nothing and that just kind of throws Lindsay for a loop and sets this whole series in motion yeah it's kind of a fucked up thing to hear as a i think she's a junior in high school (laughs) yeah it's kind of messed up to hear as a junior in high school you're like oh well there's nothing left yep so she basically is like well if that's the case then i'm gonna stop trying i don't care about getting good grades. I just want to do what I want to do. And I think she still cares about getting good grades. Yeah, she does. And as we'll talk about later, she's still like the best student in the school. Yeah, somehow. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, how is that possible? I'm not even like trying. (laughs) I can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I did really well in high school without any effort. I don't think that I tried at all. Oh, I didn't either, really. Sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know that I probably could have easily had a 4.0 if I would have put forth any, just any <laughs> level of effort whatsoever. But there was nothing. I just didn't, I didn't care. And that's why I have all this student debt now <laughs> is because I didn't care. And I was like, uh, write an essay for a, for a scholarship. <sighs> no thanks. <laughs> I think I did like one scholarship application and I can't remember what actually happened with it. But yeah, I I did not want to study. I didn't want to write papers. I didn't read any of the books in high school. I just BS my way through all of the papers. I read the books, but that's because I liked reading. I had a thing where I didn't want to do what people were telling me to do. So you're such a rebel. (laughs) If somebody assigned me a book to read, I wasn't going to read it. I was going to read something else. Like I was still reading plenty of books back then. I just didn't want to read those books. And now I've kind of gone back and read some of them. Like I know I've read To Kill a Mockingbird as an adult. Do you like To Kill a Mockingbird? Yeah, I think it's fine. Okay. I I love To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. So, and, (laughs) and after teaching it, it's very frustrating to watch kids not read it. And you're like, but... This applies to your life. <laughs> Read it. Do it. Yeah. And you're just like, they're so bad. 
at BSing it too. <laughs> it's so clear. Like they think they're very clever when they're like, haha, I went on Spark Notes or yeah. I went on Cliff's Notes and found stuff. Like, no, I know exactly what you found there. <laughs> You're not clever. Yeah, I did read To Kill a Mockingbird back in ninth grade, but Grapes of Wrath didn't read that. My Antonia didn't read that. Even in college, we were supposed to read Brothers Karamazov. Definitely didn't read that. Never read that one. <laughs> I read like maybe the first 40 pages. It was too long, man. I had other things to do. Uh, I remember when I went back the second time for college and did all my English classes, I read most of the stuff that I had to. But the one thing I didn't read, and I had already read it, but it was like a long time ago, and I didn't remember any of it as I found out when I had to start writing a paper on it, was Uncle Tom's Cabin. I never read that one. And I don't know why like that one was the one. I'm just like, you know what? I think I've hit my limit. Probably because I was taking 19 credits oh, of all English classes at the same time. And I was like, <laughs> I think this is where I cut cut my losses. It <laughs> sounds like a lot. Yeah, it was a mess. So should we start talking about the episodes? Yeah, let's get into it. We got two more episodes today. Uh, the first of which is Carded and Discarded. Yes. So it aired on January 10th, 2000. And the TV Guide description is, Lindsay dips into her college fund to buy fake IDs for her pals. Sam, Neil, and Bill try to woo a pretty new girl, Kayla Ewell, away from the popular crowd. And just like with last week with the geeks, we're not going to be talking about them necessarily in this part. Yeah, we're going to just kind of focus on the freaks for this first episode, and then we'll yeah. kind of wrap things up in the next one. Yep. Um, this episode, though, starts out where the freaks are in Mr. Rosso's office and they're getting lectured about their direction in life and how they're not sure if anybody understands them. He's talking about puberty. What are your feelings on Mr. Rosso? I like Mr. Rosso. <laughs> I think he's underrated character on this. The guy that plays him does such a good job. Yeah, no, he's really great. And actually, one of my favorite parts of the whole series is this scene where he pulls out the guitar and starts singing Alice Cooper. Um, and they're just sitting there like shocked and embarrassed. Is that the one where Ken says that like it's the first time he's hated Alice Cooper? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, Nick is like loving it. He's like wanting to sing along and then Mr. Nick Rosso is stoned out of his mind. Let's be clear. <laughs> Mr. Rosso is like, do the drum solo, Nick. And he does that. But every time I watch this, I have to sing along with Mr. Rosso when he's like, I'm a man or woman. <laughs> oh God. Rosso, I, Rosso was looking out for their best interests. Yeah. He, I mean, there's so many times when he could have got them in a lot more trouble than they were. What is the other, what is the rest of the administration at this school doing? Like there, <laughs> do we ever see a principal? I don't know if we see a principal. We see like, obviously Coach Fredericks and yeah. Mr. Kachevsky, the, yeah. I don't know what kind of teacher he is. I don't is. know what he teaches. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, but the, there's like no admin presence whatsoever. Yeah. At this school. It's just like Rosso's walking the halls by himself. He should be probably in the counseling office doing other things, but he's he's just there, always at the right time to to help out. Yep. So after all of this, Mr. Rosso pulls Lindsay aside and says that she's not like these freaks. I mean, he doesn't say freaks, but that's what he means. And if she keeps going the way she's going, then, you know, some colleges aren't going to want her to attend and she's like, well, I don't know if I want to go to college anyway, so. Good for her. There's other paths to take. Yep. 
And then we go to dinner at the Weirs, and Lindsay gets $300 in a birthday card from her aunt and uncle for her college fund. That's a solid birthday present. Like, yeah. that's that's a lot of money. Especially in like, 1980. That's a lot of money for me now. Yeah. Like if someone gives me 300 bucks <laughs> for a birthday present, for anything. Well, it said it was for her college fund specifically. But yeah, but still. When I was in high school, I, people wouldn't be giving me like 300 bucks for my freaking, maybe for a graduation present. Yeah. That's it. Even then, like, I feel like I kind of maxed out at maybe 200. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had some friends that would get like thousand dollars from people. Oh, really? I'm like, man. Yeah, I can't remember. So Lindsay and Sam's dad is complaining about how they never like hang out. And I think in the, is this is the one where he's like, I remember when we used to like wipe your butt when you were a baby and now you can't wait to get away from us. And he's like, we're going to play pit on Friday. Um, he's sick of them acting like they're in a hotel and their parents are their employees. I mean, the dad has no, <laughs> he just, I can never tell if he's actually trying to connect with the kids or if he's just trying to scare them and just complain about things in his dad way. Yeah. But he, I don't know. The dad is very daddy. He is, <laughs> he's a very dad like character. I, that's the best way I can show. He is just a, what you think of when you see TV sitcom dad. Yeah. Him. Yep. Have you played Pit before? Uh, no. We have it at my parents' house, and it's the same copy that my dad played when he was, like, growing up. And we were talking about it kind of recently because apparently mm. there was this big altercation that happened while they were playing it. And, like... Is it a card game? Yeah, it's like a card game, and then there's, like, a bell. It's, it's, it's a stock trading game, but you're trading, like, commodities like corn and wheat and stuff like that. I've not played it. But that sounds horrible. <laughs> my dad, I guess um, he has three sisters and something happened. There was fighting. Nobody's played it since. I mean, when I was <laughs> younger, we we played card games like me, my sister and my mom. But it was like we were playing poker. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> we would play a lot. We'd play five card stud. We'd play Texas Hold'em. We'd play seven card stud. We'd play Follow the Queen. We'd play a lot of different, like Deuces Wild. We would do everything we could, and whoever was dealing would choose the game. And my mom would take, like, uh, her coins and just, like, pour them out, and we would split them up between us. Or I had, a, a, like, a coin bank that was <laughs> um, in the shape of a red dog bottle. And if you ever had red dog? Nope. It's a beer. Dad used to drink a lot of it. Don't know how I came across that bottle, but... <laughs> and they just let you have this beer bottle as your bank? Yeah. I mean, it was a giant one. Like, it was as big as me for a while. Uh, oh. <laughs> like, it was big. But I would fill that up, and we'd bring that down and pour it out, and we would play with these. And my sister would cheat every every time. Every time. i get so mad, and my mom would just let it happen and laugh. And I'm like, nah, she's, she's cheating again. And I would get so angry because I followed the rules. Yeah, I did too. I remember my sister cheating at Monopoly one time. I did still call her out on that sometimes. Yeah, but nice. we didn't really play a ton of games growing up. I know we played like Rummy Cube. I liked Card Night. We would just be like, hey, do you want to play poker? And we'd get coins and do it. Yeah, we de definitely didn't usually play cards. Anyway... So the freaks are out on the patio at school, and they're saying that old people, they always think they know everything, and Ken wants to be older so that he can go to bars because everything fun happens at bars. Is that true? No. I mean, I like I mean, going we go out to, to bars. the bar. <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like a lot of times I'm there, and then I'm just like, ah, it's too loud here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when we're going to the bars, we're just talking to each other. 
So yeah. it's the same sort of as if we were hanging out here or at your place yeah. or whoever's place. I think it's like dive bars. Yeah. That's really it. I just need a quiet dive bar or sports bar where like nothing else is going on. That's why we go to Bad Alberts. Yeah. Oh, wait. We shouldn't say that because then everybody in Seattle is going to go there. Oh, yeah. That's that's <laughs> how that'll work. <laughs> anyway. Um, so Nick is like, yeah, there's a band called Feedback that's playing at the Rusty Nail, but they can't go because they're going to card everybody. I hear there's this uh, kick-ass band called Feedback playing at the Rusty Nail tomorrow night, but they're going to card, so I can't... Well, well, what can I do? Oh. Well, maybe I'll go. You better shut up. It's <laughs> <laughs> because you got a fake ID. Don't go lording it over the rest of us. You have a fake ID? Yeah. You want to check it out? Yeah. It's my cousin's old driver's license. Oh, my God. This looks... Exactly like you. I know. Except it says you're 24. So? I look mature. Nobody ever stops me. Now, my problem with this episode starts right here with Nick's really excited about this band. Yeah. But, like, he's never seen them. Yeah. Clearly. I, I don't know if he's ever heard them. I think it's just, like, he heard the show was happening and went with it. He was like, it's a band. I like bands. I like music. But he cool. like sells it hard. Like, he's yeah, like we he gotta go and see this. Yeah. Like, it's gotta happen. Does it shock you that of all of them, Kim Kelly's the one with a fake ID? It does not. But it shocked me that Daniel doesn't have one. But that's because his got taken away because he didn't know his fake ID's star sign. <laughs> uh, of course. Do you know how many times? I mean, how many times have you gone out to the bar? And you're just like, here you are, and then they ask you. <laughs> Oh, so what sign are you? <laughs> well, I've never had a fake ID, so maybe... Right, but I mean, when you were 21 or something, they could have done that. Yeah, they could have. I guess. It doesn't happen is what I'm saying. Yeah, but I'm thinking that it does happen if you don't look anything like your ID. Uh, maybe. Did you ever know anyone that had a fake ID? I was not cool. No. <laughs> but none of your friend, no, your sister or anything? I think... No. Did, did my sister have a My fake sister, ID? I think, wanted mine and I wouldn't give it to her. No, my sister didn't have a fake ID. She used one of her friends, though, who was older, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And so she would use hers because I didn't drink till I was 21. I didn't either. But she, I, I know that she went to Canada one time and like used one of her friends because you only had to be 19. Mm-hmm. And so I think she used one of her friends in Canada. Yeah. I think I remember my sister wanting mine, but... Sorry, Paige. <laughs> so Lindsay's like, oh, we should all get fake IDs and go to this concert. Because she's trying to, you know, this is only the fourth episode. No, wait, it's the seventh episode. Okay, so this is the seventh episode, and she's still, like, trying to prove herself with the freaks. Yeah, she wants to show them that she can be cool. She's not She's not a square. Yeah, so she's like, well, I just got some money, her college fund money, so she could lend it to them to pay for these fake IDs. I mean, if she's not going to go to college, why? Yeah. what better way to use it? I guess so. So they all go to the mall. And they go to this disco clothes store where Jason Schwartzman works. He's playing this guy named Howie. Yeah, I like Jason Schwartzman a lot. Yeah, he's great. I used to watch, what was the name of that show that was on HBO with um, Zach Galifianakis and Ted Danson? Never seen it. Oh Between my gosh. two ferns. Nope. Bored to death. So I used to watch that. And obviously he's been in a lot of other stuff too. But, yeah, so he is their fake ID hookup 
Is this the same? No, it's not the same store where uh, Sam gets his. It is the his, same store. Is it the same one? He gets mm-hmm. his Parisian night suit. Yeah. Which is a, just a wonderful scene. And that was a real thing that Paul Feig did. Oh, he wore the Parisian night suit? Yeah. That's great. Yeah, he did like that exact same thing. He bought this Parisian <laughs> night suit and was so excited to wear it that he wore it to school the next day. And as soon as he walked in the doors, he was like, this was a mistake. <laughs> Have you ever done anything like that? No. I I don't think I wore anything that I was like, this is a mistake. But I remember in, I want to say like sixth grade, maybe seventh grade. I want to say sixth grade. Uh, my parents bought me some new clothes and like one of the shirts and shorts or shirt and pants was FUBU. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that that was a uh, traditionally African-American clothing brand. And some of my friends did. And they're like, why'd you buy that? And I was like, what do you mean? This looks cool. (laughs) And I didn't get it. Like, it took me a while before I got it. Like, I think I would have been fine wearing it. But then people were like, no, you shouldn't be wearing that. And I'm like, I was so confused. I'm pretty sure people at my school were wearing it. And it was almost entirely white. (laughs) Well, yeah, your school was, was what, probably like 99% white at that point? Yeah. (sighs) (laughs) What is it now, 98 it's like 95. Oh, okay. <laughs> My school was a little more diverse. Yeah. So Jason Schwartzman, he's looking at all of their faces, trying to memorize them so he can match their face to an ID, which makes sense. And he's like, brown hair, brown eyes, brown hair, brown eyes, brown hair, brown eyes for all of them. So we'll see later that that isn't the best way to figure out how somebody looks like somebody else. <laughs> That's all you need. That's all it says in there. Just height, weight, eyes, hair. <laughs> Just get somebody that looks close. Yep. So after the mall, Kim is asking Lindsay, what's the deal with Nick? Like, are you guys dating? So the previous episode was I'm with the band where Nick is trying out for the drummer position in the band that is actually fronted by Paul Feig. It's one of my, that's one of my favorite scenes of the show. It's also one of the hardest to watch. Yeah. So he does not do well at all. And he's really bummed about it because he realizes that he is not a good drummer. And to cheer him up, Lindsay kisses him and Nick is all about that. So at this point, she's like, yeah, they only kissed once. It's not a big deal. And then behind Kim and Lindsay, the guys are all talking about the same thing. This is kind of like the Grease moment where they're singing about the same encounter, having different versions of it. And Nick's like, yeah, Lindsay really likes me and we have an understanding. <laughs> that's I mean, that's pretty in line with Nick's character. He he seems like the first person that shows him any sort of affection he's in latch on to probably because he, you know, of how his dad is at home and yeah. Home life, he doesn't get that sort of attention from anyone. Yeah. And Judd Apatow said that Nick's character was a lot like him in high school. Like, he was kind of that, like, borderline, not sure if this is, like, endearing or creepy with girls, that kind of thing. And, yeah. Well, Jason Siegel plays that well because he is both endearing and creepy. Yeah. Then we're back at school and Mr. Rosso is trying to give college brochures to Lindsay. She's blowing them off still. And he's trying to scare her, saying, like, you know, you're going to go to prison eventually if you keep this up. That's the way it works. (laughs) You either go to college or prison. There's nothing in between. (laughs) 
He's just not sure how to connect to Lindsay. Like he knows that she has so much more going for her than what she's doing right now. You know, I mean, I feel like the counselor wouldn't have that much interest in Lindsay. I I just feel that way (laughs) because they don't tend to spend all their time on the kids that are like good. Yeah. But they're more focused on it. And I don't know that she's like that clearly like ruining things because her grades are still good and like she still doesn't like get in trouble that much. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's just seen a pattern and doesn't want her to be ruining something. So Howie brings the fake IDs to school, passes them out, and they're bad. They're so good. (laughs) They look just like the Asian versions of themselves. Congratulations, everybody. You're all of age. Oh, yeah. Who the hell is Jesus H. Garcia? It's Jesus. It's your new identity. Tell me that picture doesn't look like you. This picture doesn't look like me, man. Sure it does, man. Yeah, well, it's got to be better than mine. Mine looks kind of Chinese. Yeah, hey, mine looks Chinese, too. What's going on with that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a big Vietnamese community up there in Alberta. Mine says I'm 29. That doesn't matter. Mine says I'm 34. I have no problems. That's fine. I like that all of the... (laughs) The the IDs he's getting are Canadian. Like it's like some contraband from overseas. Yeah, or he something. got a shipment like, from Canada. Yeah. <laughs> he can't get any Michigan IDs. Like it has to be Canadian. Whatever. Yeah, Ken. At first, when he reads his, he's like, "Who is Jesus?" And then how he's like, "It's Jesus," and he decides to keep that one. Yeah. It works for him later, actually, even though it doesn't look like him. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it works for him. It, <laughs> It was enough. (laughs) Yeah. So now they don't have any fake IDs because Howie sucked. And they're like, well, how are we going to go to this show? How are we going to go see feedback? And Lindsay remembers that she actually has a fake ID connection who is Millie's cousin. And she talks to Millie about this and asks, like, you know, what's he doing? And she's like, well, he was in prison. (laughs) Yeah, he's real sketchy. He's a real, real dirty guy. She's like, he was dropped on his head as a baby, and that's why we think he's a bad seed. I mean, I was dropped on my head, I'm pretty sure. If I wasn't dropped on my head, I fell on my head. I was clumsy. (laughs) Yeah. I know I fell on my face. I have a little scar that faded on my cheek, but my mom said I was trying to dive into a book. (laughs) You were a geek. (laughs) So, Lindsay's like, can we get hooked up with him and Millie's like I'm not going to be complicit in this you know where he lives just go talk to him yourself so they do go to his house and it's like this rundown chain link fence type house it looks like it should be in a trailer park except it's not a trailer yeah like that's the vibe of it I guess it's not even not a nice trailer but like a dirty just (laughs) like eight mile trailer park yeah and Millie's cousin, Toby, comes out, who's played by Kevin Corrigan, who... Had you seen him in something before? Yeah. I mean, he was in, like, before this. Yeah. Well, no, not before this, but... Oh. Like, he was in Pineapple Express uh, as one of the guys in there. And the thing that I really remember him from, uh, which is how I know I'm nerdy, (laughs) is a movie called Scotland PA. Oh, I don't know that one. It's a retelling of Macbeth. (laughs) <laughs> where it takes place in a fast food restaurant. Oh, my gosh. Uh, 
It's got Christopher Walken in it as Macduff. Uh, I don't know who the guy is that plays Macbeth, but Kevin Corrigan plays uh, Banquo in it. And it's, I mean, it's a great thing. Like where somebody gets beheaded, like their head falls in the the fryer and like stuff like that. Oh, man. It's a mess. It's a pretty messed up movie. But yeah, Christopher Walken's in it and he's great. And it's a good movie. It, when I was student teaching, the guy that I student taught with, he showed it when we taught Macbeth. And oh, really? I was like, this is great. <laughs> I know him from Grounded for Life, which I watched. I thought it was a fine show. And he was also in Fringe. Never yeah. seen either of those. You haven't seen Fringe? No. Oh, Fringe is good. Is Fringe the one with the guy from uh, Save the Last Dance? No, I don't think so. Or what's the one with Mandy Moore where she's dying? Is that Save the Last Dance? No, that's A Walk to Remember. A Walk to Remember. Is he the guy from A Walk to Remember? No. They look the same. No, it's Joshua Jackson from Dawson's Creek. He looks like the guy from A Walk <laughs> to Remember. Um, yeah, it's a good show, though. You should watch it. You might be too scared, though. If there's any scary stuff, then yeah, probably. <laughs> so they're asking about the fake IDs, and he only allows one person inside at a time. And Daniel's first. He has basically just like this giant cardstock that has an Ohio driver's license drawn on it. Yeah. I mean, it looks like it was printed out onto it. If you look at the lines really carefully, they like overlap. Okay. <laughs> like you can see where the marker like went too far. Fair enough. Either marker tape or something like that. Yeah. I don't know why it's an Ohio driver's license and not a Michigan one. Again, same as with the shipments <laughs> from Canada. Who knows? They... They got to outsource there. Maybe stuff. Ohio is just simpler than Michigan's. Could be easier to counterfeit. Who knows? Yeah. So Daniel does his fake ID first, and then we cut to Lindsay and Nick are in there. So Nick has violated the one-person rule. Toby is laminating and cutting up the IDs, and meanwhile hitting on Lindsay, asking for her number, and making her uncomfortable. And Nick's like... Hey, this is my girlfriend. <laughs> and Toby can tell right away that Nick's lying. I was like, yeah. no, no, she's not, man. No, she's not. <laughs> but Lindsay's like, no, no, no he is. He's, I'm his girlfriend. <laughs> and Toby's like, oh, why you got, why you gotta do that to me? Why, why I could, I was just being polite. You know, I could have got your number. I'd still get it. Blah, blah, blah. Try yeah. to play it off. <laughs> yep. And when Lindsay says that she's his girlfriend, Nick smiles like. So happy about it. <laughs> yeah. And Toby raises the price. <laughs> yeah. He's like, it was like. It was, it was going to be like $40 a pop before. And now it's like 75 a pop and yeah. ends up keep going up. And they finally, they pay for it. They get their IDs. They for $100 go. each. Yeah. So they end up having to pay all $300 for it. Luckily, Ken kept his other ID. Well, she only had $300 and that cost yeah. Some amount of money, too. Well, I don't think they paid for... They got the money back from the ones from uh, Jason Swartzman. All of them? Yeah. Oh. We see Kim in the car with Daniel, and they're looking at his new fake ID. She's admiring it, saying that it looks pretty good. And then she's, like, comparing it to his existing one, and she's like, is this one fake, too? It says you're, it says you're 18. Yep. We find out that he's been held back not only once, but twice. Yep. And she she realized that she's jailbait. Yep. <laughs> Illegal. Yeah, that is pedophilia. <laughs> so the freaks, it's nighttime. They walk up to the bar. They get carded, of course, because 
it would be a bummer if they were all just let in. I guess it would be funny. Yeah, but just, they just get in because the the bar doesn't care. Yeah, the security guy looks at Ken's first and is like, "Where's your mustache, Jesus?" And Nick's like, "It's great you guys are carding. Like, makes me feel like a kid." Makes me feel young again. Makes me feel like a kid again. Yeah. Okay, Nick. <laughs> yep. Lindsay is the only one who does not get carded. Actually, Kim doesn't get carded either, but that's because she knows the guy. Yeah. She so. just gets in. Yeah. Uh, so why does she even need the fake ID? She just apparently knows people. Well, she needed it. She needed it at first to. I guess. To get in there. Yeah. Uh, I do like that Linda Cardellini is the only one that didn't get carded and she would have been the only one. Yeah. Over 21, I think, at that time. Yeah. And so they're waiting for the band to come on. And for whatever reason, it's like a dark stage, which every concert I go to does not start out that way normally, unless it's like some big production. Yeah. Unless it's like the main act and they've got like a whole light show and things with yeah. it. No, no rinky dink little fucking bars and be like, all right, we got this. We got a, we got our light guy. We got everything going on. No. Yeah. So it's dark. Music starts playing. They're into it. They're cheering. They're like, yeah, feedback. And then the lights come on and it's Mr. Rosso. Uh, Mr. Rosso is more amazing than anyone could have imagined. Except that <laughs> the band doesn't sound good. No. I don't know why they're cheering them so much. They don't sound good at all. No. I think they were just like excited to be there. They yeah. were excited that they were at a bar. They're ordering beer. Like the experience of it, I guess. There wasn't even that many people in that bar. So like, yeah. where is Nick getting his information about <laughs> these bands? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh so, yeah, they're shocked, but then as the music plays, they still, like, kind of get into it. But then when the beers are getting passed out at the table, Mr. Rosso, who at this point is introducing the band to the audience, is like, well, you know, first, we have the members of another really great band in the audience. I've got a great group of hardworking rockers behind me right here, and I'd like to introduce them all to you. But uh, first... We have some special guests in the audience I'd like to introduce. All the way from McKinley High School, we've got the key members of another smoking band we like to call Creation. Daniel Desario, Ken Miller, Nick Andopoulos, uh, Kim Kelly, and their manager, Miss Lindsay Weir. Give him a big hand. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, Sue. Hold on. I can't let you serve our guests plain old beer. Why don't you bring them some of your finest pop on the house? Oh, I got those underage drinking blues. Mr. Rosso, Ken was just starting to like him. Yep. <laughs> so that is the end of our Freaks storyline for this episode. Yeah. Is it, I mean, it shows the adventures of the freaks pretty well. Just trying to, I think, always get into things that are just a little bit beyond where they are at in life. Yeah. They just, they kind of want to get to the next stage of life without living through high school, I think. Yeah. They're trying to be cool. They're trying to not be these high school students. They're trying to, yeah, I guess just be adults. <clears throat> and Mr. Rosso puts them in their place. <sighs> he could have had them kicked out. He could have had them kicked out. He could have had them, uh, you know, charged with underage drinking or yeah. uh, and a lot of other things. You well, know. they didn't actually drink anything at that point. Not yet, but they had purchased beers. Yeah, that's true. So, 
So I think he did the better move and just kind of made their experience miserable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they still get to see a show. They get to see the show that they wanted to. Yeah. Um, would you like to rate this one? Yeah. I feel like you can't rate a Freaks and Geeks episode lower than like four of anything. And this one I really like. I think that it has some good moments. I actually really like the geek storyline in this one too, where they're trying to like get the new girl into their group and they're like shooting off rockets with her and they take her to the all you can eat rib place. So yeah, I really like this one and I'm going to give it, I didn't mention this aspect of it, but at the Millie's cousin's place. He had this like rooster in the front yard and was like, that's not a pet and rooster. So I'm going <laughs> to give this four and a half roosters. Okay. Um, I think that I didn't like this one as much as the ones we did last week, but I still love the episode. And I mean, like you said, all the, all the episodes in the show are great. I really like James Franco when he uh, is explaining about his real ID and how he got held back. And like, you can see that he's like, trying not to feel ashamed of it yeah it's like so what i got held back okay maybe i held back twice <laughs> just blow it all off but he he does great it does surprise me that he only had one fake id i would have thought he'd have multiple <laughs> yeah he had uh, like backups <laughs> yeah seems like the kind of person that have them uh but i'm gonna give it four fake ids out of five then cool yep should we go on to the next one before that let's uh let's talk a little bit about the music you listened to in high school because i feel like music was such a big <laughs> part of this okay and like this concert they go to they try and go to you know see it did you ever go see like local bands or anything in high school no no do you go see local bands now i do now for sure i mean i live a block from two music venues yeah so i definitely do now when i was in high school i did not listen to cool music for sure i really liked celine dion shocker <laughs> She was the answer to a trivia question a couple weeks ago, and I got real excited because <laughs> oh, they actually goodness. specifically asked about my favorite Celine Dion album, Falling Into You. <laughs> Would not be able to name a single Celine Dion album. I can name one song. My Heart Will Go On. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I listened to that, and I listened to, like, a lot of... Music that I downloaded from Napster. So yeah. stuff that I found out about from like different people online. Um, a lot of like British pop, I guess. Was there any like besides Celine Dion, I guess, or maybe including her. Was there any music that was, I guess, formative to your high school or college? Like who you were, the music that you would you just like to listen to that defined you? No, not really. I I just listened to kind of a wide variety of music. I guess maybe the cores. <clears throat> I really liked the cores. I saw them in college at Chateau Saint Michel. Okay. Um so I sang them at karaoke a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yes you did. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that also goes back to that's another like UK band, Irish Irish band. But yeah, I really liked them. And of course the other Irish band band is a loose word bewitched bewitched say lovey yeah <laughs> yeah drew and i have bonded over a love of bewitched yeah i mean it's <laughs> it's a great i mean i only really know the one song <laughs> sure <laughs> i 
but I know it well. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Um, so I, I remember using a lot of Napster and then I think it was Napster. And then I think it was either LimeWire or Kazaa. I used Kazaa a lot. Yeah, I used both of those, um, a lot, but my musical taste can be defined as late nineties, early two thousands, hip hop, seventies, rock Motown and solo female recording artists. So the exact same as today. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but I like to think at least like with, I think hip hop is probably the most that I listen to. And I like to think I have good taste in hip hop, <laughs> but I, I remember one time, maybe just a few years ago, uh, I was back home in Michigan and I found a CD from 2004 because uh, I had labeled on it, yeah. you know, burn CD, they, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I started listening to it and I was like, fuck. <laughs> what? I was, apparently I was listening to a lot of like Gucci Mane at that point, And I don't remember that part of my life. Oh. Like, I don't remember that being what I was like, this is it. This is the music. So, yeah, I, I apparently was listening to that. But I do remember when Kanye West first came out, like the college dropout came out in a 11th grade for me. Yeah. It came out, I think 2004. And like that, that album was very formative to the music. I think I started listening to and changed. Yeah. Changed that. Uh, also a lot of boys to men. Cause that was what my parents listened to. Like my mom listened to boys to men and TLC a lot. So that's how I got into all that. And then my dad listened to all the Motown and my mom listened to all the Motown. My dad so, listened to oldies. I mean, I still I still play Motown all the time, like in my classroom and all of that. But yeah, we had a I mean, my sister mostly <clears throat> made this, but she burned a CD that was called Pestoldies. <laughs> Pestoldies. 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 <laughs> yep, But it was just one word. Pestoldies. All right. So the next episode is the last episode, the series finale, Discos and Dragons. And this one aired July 8th, 2000. I think it actually did air on NBC just like during the summer, but it was actually written and filmed way before some of the other ones. They were just like, well, we're probably not going to get picked up. Let's just end this on a high note. Let's get in what we want to get in. So Paul Feig wrote and directed it. It was the only episode he directed. Nice. The TV guide description is Daniel joins the geeks in a fantasy role-playing game. Lindsay has mixed feelings about winning a scholarship. Nick takes up disco with his new girlfriend, Lizzie Kaplan. Yeah. We we get to start with my boy Nick in, in a disco. Yeah. And we get there and we, we find out that he's there because Ken and Daniel uh, and is... Lindsay was there. Lindsay was... Uh, I don't know. If was Kim Kelly with her? I don't know if Kim was there. I can't remember. Either way, apparently Ken and Daniel like to go to like to go to the bowling alley to yell out that disco sucks whenever the disco night is there. Yep. And as soon as they do, they see Nick dancing with Sarah, aka Lizzie Kaplan. And they're like, oh my god, in that very Janice way yeah. from Friends. <laughs> oh my god. And if you'll remember from the last episode as in the last podcast episode, <laughs> Nick said he hated disco. Yep. He so hates it. He came around on this one. Yep. Uh, we find out that Nick is dating Sarah. Uh, you know, the next day they're in the, I don't know if it's the next day, but 
they're in school soon. And yeah. They're in the hall and it's time to get ready for finals. It seems like the end of the year is rolling up. And Daniel, rather than hoping he studied, is hoping that one of his classmates studied. He pulls out some cash. It's clear he's paying a kid to help him cheat. Uh, he looks like he's afraid of failing the class again. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's already been held back twice. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he can. There's a certain age where you can't be in high school anymore. Oh, really? So, oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's getting anxious because the guy that he's going to cheat off of, he hasn't shown up yet. <laughs> Turns out he broke his arm. Yeah. This is the third broken arm that we have had in four episodes. Well, we had Eli, Eli in the first one. The second one is, um, I wrote it down. Write your face down. Oh, maybe it was a different episode. Probably. Oh, it was, yeah, it was because it was I was thinking of, one. yeah, I was thinking of the mascot. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anywho, uh, the kid's not there. He broke his arm. Daniel, in his attempt to get out of the test, goes out to pull the fire alarm, gets caught by Rosso. Yep. And he's like, better be a fire bra. And uh, there is not. So yep. he gets put into AV. Yeah. Mr. Rosso gives him a lecture and is like, well... As punishment, you're going to be going to AV club. It's it's the end of the year, though, like, and it's finals time. So like, yeah. he's in AV for, what, a week? Yeah. <laughs> Not even, probably. It's less than a week, it seems like. Because it was, yeah, it was the last week of school later in this episode, <laughs> for sure. So. so, yeah, so Daniel, the last week of school, he's going to be in AV. Yep. Before this, the geeks are in their AV club, and they're complaining about how the jocks are always, like, pushing them around. And he's like, well, you know, the jocks are peaking right now. They're up here. And you can't see where my hand is, but it's high up. <laughs> and as they go through the rest of their lives, they're just going to keep coming down. Whereas you guys are low right now. Now my hand is low. And, <laughs> you know, you're going to get into a good school. Then you're going to get a good job. And by the end of this... You're going to be asking for fries from the jocks. <laughs> yeah, and Bill's like, yeah, but what about right now? And Sam's like, we have to put up with this for four years. Although, not really. Only three more. <laughs> right, yeah. You've already made it through one year. You're yeah. fine. Uh, <laughs> maybe they got confused because they did this out of order. Eh, maybe. I don't know. Seems like I mean, I, the school year's not over. Maybe they have to worry about that. Yeah. Uh, so then we're back in the classroom with Lindsay and their teacher does something real weird where he's like basically calls everyone stupid without like calling them stupid. Yeah. Uh, and then tells them that somebody in their class got a scholarship to go to this academic retreat at the University of Michigan for two weeks. And it's given to the top one percent of students in Michigan schools and Somehow one of them got it pretty much. And like the whole thing just literally seems like he's t calling all of them stupid. Yeah. Right. That wasn't just me. No, it does seem like that. Yeah. Um, but he also does seem like kind of genuinely proud um, when he says that it was Lindsay who got it and is like, you should be so excited. Yeah. And she's like, oh, hooray. So the teacher's like, it's going to be great. You're going to be like reading, debating, matching wits, getting ranked daily. Yeah, that sounds horrible. <laughs> it sounds like a fucking nightmare. <laughs> I would never want to like know my place like that against other smart people. Yeah, Lindsay has not been trying. And so she's really confused how she got this. In fact, one of her lines is, 
are the kids in Michigan schools that stupid? <laughs> and you know what? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Mr. Rosso says, no, you're just that smart. Oh, goodness. But he's like, well, maybe you're just like tired and broken. And he starts quoting a Grateful Dead song. And she. Like, yeah. Lindsay's like, who, who is that? Yeah. She's like, who? And he's like, no, not the who. The Grateful Dead. I like that line. Actually. <laughs> and he gives her a copy of their American Beauty album to kind of help with her stress. He says that it helps him when he's feeling stressed out. So maybe it would make her feel better. So she walks off with that. She uh, she runs into some deadheads in the lunchroom in the cafeteria, and they're like, yeah, it's like the greatest thing ever. I, I wish I could hear it for the first time again. Yeah. Woo, man. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys just drive around and follow the dead everywhere? Yeah, that's great. You meet a lot of really cool people. Well, are the concerts that different? Yeah, I mean, it's like nothing you've ever experienced. This one time we were in New Jersey... And it started raining right in the middle of the show. <laughs> Suddenly, everybody goes running down to the pit, and they start dancing in the mud. And then the sun comes out, and there's this rainbow right over the stage. And I started crying. It was beautiful. Really, what it's all about is being together and having a good time as one. Judging has nothing to do with it. That's not what the dead are about. Yeah. It's all about being connected and, and being free. We're going down to Texas when school's out. We're going to follow the tour up to Colorado. Nine shows in a week and a half. I can't wait. Wow. <laughs> One of those um, deadheads is Samara Armstrong, who was Anna on the OC. I do love the OC. <laughs> uh, either way, Lindsay gets real into the Grateful Dead. Yeah, she goes home later and is like rocking out to them like she's at first just like laying on her bed listening but then she like gets up starts dancing and yeah she's super into it at the end uh meanwhile daniel is struggling in his transition to being part of the av club the geeks decide to make him just deal with projectors the yeah, whole time he's going to be the one that has to like set up the movies and classrooms all the time which is probably something that was happening a lot in the last week of class mm. It's kind of like they're kind of dicks to him, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, and the teacher in the room where he's setting up the projector is really being a dick because, like, he's trying. He's trying his best to set it up. Like, mm -hmm. he just doesn't know what he's doing. And the teacher's just, like, kind of an asshole. Yeah. Uh, he's setting up Zaffarelli's version of Romeo and Juliet, which I've taught. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you taught that in your class. I remember mm -hmm. watching it when I was in that class that you taught. <laughs> yep. I do that one and uh, did the Leonardo DiCaprio one. Boz Lerman. Yep. Yep. That's a good one. I like them both. Yeah. I don't remember the other one. I think I just kind of did other things while it was on, but I paid attention to the Leonardo and Claire Danes one. <laughs> uh, the guys all pay attention to the Zeffirelli one because they find out that there's a boob at like yeah. one tenth of a second. Right. <laughs> Come on, dude. Yep. So, yeah, he's, like, trying to set up the projector, and nothing's going right. And at the end, he has to get help from another student in the class. And he looks a little bit embarrassed about that, especially because his friends are actually in that class. Lindsay, Kim, and Nick are all in there. And he just, like, sits in the back and kind of sulks while the movie plays. Uh, what I do like, though, is, like, the next time we see him after this scene... Sam is like peeking his head in the AV room and Daniel is like looking through the manual mm -hmm. and trying to figure out how to do it. And he's yeah. like going through and all the other, the geeks are just still like kind of dicks to him at that point. Yeah. I mean a little bit. Yeah. They, 
before that, um, Daniel was like complaining to Kim saying like, he doesn't want to go to AV, like this is not what he wants to do. And what was he supposed to do? Like he didn't know how to do math. So of course he had to pull the fire alarm and she just kind of blows him off and lets him deal with his problems himself. And I think that's why he decides to go and like figure out the projector. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I think she's just kind of tired of, I think after seeing Lindsay get her scholarship and stuff, and because Kim Kelly was in that class. Yeah. I feel like after seeing that, she's just kind of like, oh, I need to do something. Like, I got to escape. Because she's, this whole episode, she's like having feelings of, I can't escape this place either. Yeah. And Daniel doesn't want to do anything, so. Yeah. Yeah. Which kind of leads us to um, Lindsay talking to Kim. And she's like saying that she doesn't want to go to the academics summit. She's kind of wishing that she hadn't been selected. And Kim's like, well, at least you get to leave Chippewa. And she's like, I really want to get out of here. And when Lindsay's like, well, you can, she says that she can't. And that's easy for her to say because she gets to leave. She has money. She gets to go. She can do what she wants. Kim's kind of stuck. Yep. Also, I don't think it ever occurred to Kim that she could just go by herself. (laughs) Yeah. But you do need money to do something like that. Yeah. When we get back to the AV room, Harris the goat, the greatest of all time, <laughs> invites Daniel to come play D&D, which you can see when he does this, like the other geeks are clearly like, what the fuck? <laughs> like they just have a look like, no, you're going to ruin it. Yeah. Because uh, they were talking about like the dancing sword. Yeah. And Daniel acted, you know, kind of interested. He was asking questions like, how does that work and stuff like that. So he's yeah. like, well, do you want to come see? <laughs> yeah. He is intrigued by the idea of getting to not be himself. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't think he can be good, though. He's very self deprecating and like down on himself. Like, yeah, don't expect me to be any good at it. I won't be able to be good at anything, that sort of thing. Yeah. And Neil is the one who's like kind of a dick about it. He's like, well, you wouldn't want to come. It's not fun. It's really boring. And Sam's like, no, it's not. You love it. <laughs> I was surprised that Neil was the one that would do that. Cause Neil, I would have thought would have been, I guess Neil's kind of afraid of yeah. Daniel still at this point. Like Sam's at least met him and all this stuff. And as he said, he gave him a porno. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> In the meantime, Ken is upset. Yeah. Ken is thinking that Nick has just been like super brainwashed by Sarah. Like he doesn't like disco. So why is he hanging out with her? He's just doing this to make Lindsay jealous. Um, Can I point out that I love that Sarah calls Ken Kenny every time? (laughs) Oh, Kenny. (laughs) Yeah. And he actually like comments on that too. And is like, Kenny. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She doesn't give a fuck though. She's just. Happy and, you know. Yeah, so Ken actually gets invited over to learn some dance moves by Sarah. (laughs) She's very kind. She's very welcoming to all of it. Yeah, Uh, she's like, I taught Nick how to do the hustle in less than an hour. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Before they go to the competition, I think they're in Nick's basement, is it? Yeah. Uh, And You can see his drum kit. Yeah, and she, she's, uh, Sarah's asking him about stuff and all this stuff, and he brings up Lindsay and she asks, like, if he's still in love with Lindsay, and he makes a show of saying, no, 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 I'm not, all this stuff. And she tells him that she's had a crush on him forever and always sat behind him and that she loves him. And Even all though stuff. he was, like, so tall that she couldn't see, behind, uh, see past him. Yeah. And she's like, I can't believe you like me. So. I think that that really flips. I think that he may have been doing it 
Like, I think he still was caught up on Lindsay for a while, but as soon as she said that she loves him and all this stuff. I don't think she said love at that point, did she? No, I thought she did. She says it in the next, like, part, but... Yeah. Well, she tells, like, how crazy she is about him at yeah. that point, how much... And for a guy like Nick, who, like, falls for any girl that looks his way, mm-hmm. like, that's that's the switch yeah. right there. Uh, which leads them to the disco competition. Yep. We see Ken dragging Lindsay into the disco, saying that... She has to talk to Nick like he doesn't know what he's doing. He's been brainwashed. And Sarah's like, oh, cool. Ken and Lindsay came to cheer you on. Kenny's there. (laughs) And while they're all talking, the DJ like notices Ken and is like, hey, aren't you one of those guys who is always yelling in here that disco sucks? Where's your guys now? Uh, so Ken gets into the whole thing with them about how disco sucks and the disco guy's like, no, even the Rolling Stones, you know, the disco's the shit, man, blah, blah, blah. They, their new song. Didn't disco end like right after this, too? Well, yeah, the bouncer after he kicks Ken out because Ken keeps going. I just meant in general. Yeah. But uh, even th- disco itself and in the yeah. show because <laughs> Ken gets kicked out and the bouncer's like, man, they're closing down next week and they're going to bring in Foxy Boxing. Yep. <laughs> Foxy boxing always reminds me of How I Met Your Mother. I, I knew you were going to bring up a, <laughs> a Hemium reference there. Yep. So Nick's upset, and Lindsay says that Ken just thinks that Nick is confused and that he's doing all of this to get her back, to make her jealous. And he's like, he's not. He's not an idiot. He's moving on. He's trying to convince her, probably a little bit convince himself that what he's doing is not about her. Yeah. And... uh he mentions to Lindsay that he's given up smoking pot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, that's great. Like, oh, my gosh. It seems like you're having a lot of fun, a lot more fun than you ever had with me. And he's like, I am. Yeah. Which <laughs> I know he didn't mean to be a dick there, but like the way he <laughs> says that is real dickish. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I think they both kind of have a weird moment at the end of this where he's like, OK, so Lindsay definitely doesn't want me back at all and Lindsay's like Nick is happy he changed for Sarah he didn't change for me right and they go their separate ways and Nick is watching her leave and she turns back at one point but they just keep going their separate ways while Nick is getting called up for his turn in the dance competition which he does great at like (laughs) he's good He's a good dancer. Unfortunately, he didn't know you could use magic. And yeah. the guy that follows him, Eugene, uh, uses magic. And, well, you're left to assume that Nick doesn't win. Yeah, no. And he was also the first to go. So that's kind of bad luck. I guess. <laughs> so then we cut to, I think it's Sam's house. Yeah, I think so. And the guys are all playing Dungeons and Dragons. It's the geeks plus Daniel. Yep. And Harris is explaining everything that's going on. And I've never played Dungeons and Dragons, but I know you have, right? I have not. Oh, you haven't? No, I have not. Oh, I assumed that you played with, like, Tim and those guys. No, I did not. Uh, I didn't get in on that. Oh. No, I feel like I would enjoy it. I like board games. I, I don't know. I mean, they're all drinking Fago, which yeah. <laughs> makes me happy because there are some places you can find Fago out here. Really? There's, like, a gas station in Issaquah and... <laughs> One of my students had Fago in class the other day. I was like, oh, my God, where did you get this? He's like, oh, there's this place in Federal Way that you can get it. I'm like, do they have Rock and Rise? Like, yeah, I've got a couple bottles at home. Do you want me to bring you one? I'm like, dude, <laughs> yes. Did he? Uh, well, that was right before 
uh, spring break. So oh, okay. I don't think he'll remember between then and now. <laughs> but you're going to remind him. I'll be like, hey, man, if you get that hookup on Rock and Rye, bring it in. Let's go. <laughs> I got the money. Uh, Rock and Rye is delicious for anyone that's never had it. It's what like does a, it taste like? Uh, deliciousness. It's like a cream soda type. Mm. But it's like strawberry. I don't know if it's like strawberry cream soda. Why don't we just look it up real quick? <laughs> it's not like the big red. That was the answer to the trivia question. No, but they do have a thing called red pop. Uh, they have red pop, which I can find red pop at um, the one in Issaquah. Rock and rye. A dreamy vanilla cream soda with just a kick of something that may or may not be cherry. We're not at liberty to disclose the ingredients, actually. In fact, the recipe is so secret it doesn't exist. And yes, we know that makes absolutely no sense. Straight from the Fago website. Interesting. Uh, some other flavors of Fago that are delicious. Red Pop. Their root beer's good. They have cotton candy. They have orange. They have grape. They have candy apple. They have moon mist. They have moon mist blue. Cola. Diet Cola. Cream soda. 6040, which I forget what that one is, so I gotta click it. <laughs> uh, a 6040 blend of grapefruit and lime. Ew. Black cherry, peach, diet peach, Dr. Fago, which I assume was like Dr. Pepper. Yeah. <laughs> gold, diet gold, ginger ale, twist, cherry cola, pineapple, pineapple watermelon, pineapple orange. Oh my gosh. Jasmine blueberry, <laughs> raspberry blueberry, fruit punch, <laughs> Ohana punch. <laughs> Ohana lemonade and iced tea. Ohana lemon iced tea, which is apparently different than Ohana lemonade and iced tea. Uh, then just Ohana lemonade. Ohana strawberry banana. Ohana raspberry lemonade. Ohana kiwi strawberry. Sparkling water. Sparkling cherry. Sparkling grapefruit. Sparkling orange. Sparkling lemon lime. Tonic water. Club soda. And then you can submit your flavor ideas. There's I had so no many. idea that it was so extensive. When you were saying that you were going to name them, I was picturing you naming like six. I knew that's what you thought. <laughs> and I was just ready to go. I didn't even name most of the diets. Oh. Yeah. There is a one, two, three, four, five by one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's 53. Wow. 53 flavors. <laughs> yeah. And I've never heard of it until I met you. And I've never had it. Made in Detroit, Michigan, baby. So is it really like prolific in Michigan? Like everybody drinks it? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, I find it everywhere. Like I oh. didn't realize you couldn't find it until like I came out here. Everyone drinks Verner's out there, which you drink like Canada Dry or other stuff yeah. out here, but Verner's is better. <laughs> Everyone drank Verner's when they were sick in Michigan. Uh what flavor were they drinking on Freaks and Geeks? It just said Diet Fago, so oh. maybe they didn't have as many flavors back then. Maybe. Anywho's it. <laughs> anyway, so Daniel rolls the dice to find out what his character is, and he's a dwarf. And he's like, I don't want to be a dwarf. I wanted to be a ninja or a fighter. And they try to convince him that being a dwarf is okay. They're like... Dwarves are fighters, and they find treasures and jewels and stuff like that. And he's like, okay, fine, but I'm going to be named Carlos. Yeah, Carlos the Dwarf. And Bill is incredulous, and <laughs> what is Bill's name? Like Gorthrak or something like that. I don't know. It's like Gorthon? Yeah, Gorthon or something. And Daniel kind of plays with them. He makes fun, but he, he seems like he's enjoying himself. Yeah. They go through, and there's kind of a montage of them playing, and they get to the end, and he... He wins. He wins the campaign with them and he's, he saves the princess. Yeah. He seems 
like legitimately enjoyed it. He got to be someone who wasn't himself. He got to be successful at something. Yeah. And he's like, want to do it again tomorrow? And so they all agree that they'll play Dungeons and Dragons the next day, too, which this is probably one of my favorite scenes from Freaks and Geeks. I just like the transition that Daniel goes through in this episode, but the especially of the with worlds. this. Yeah. I just think it's a, a really nice moment. And yeah, he goes to the kitchen to grab something and they're like, Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek? Or we're turning into cool guys? I don't know. I'm going to go for us being cool guys. Yeah, I'll buy that. Yeah, definitely cool guys. Cool. Yeah, definitely cool (laughs) guys now. So then we're at the bus station. Lindsay's getting ready to go to her academic summit. She's getting seen off by her parents. And Neil and Bill run up. Neil gives Lindsay some chocolates. Like a heart-shaped chocolate box. <laughs> yeah. Well, Neil has to get in his last uh, his last goodbye. He loves Lindsay. Yeah. He's got a crush on her. And she gives him a kiss on the cheek, but then also does the same for Bill. And Neil's like, what he did didn't he give you, you anything. <laughs> it's like, it didn't cost me anything. Yeah. Yeah. She's got to come down here. So she gets on the bus and she's like, I'll see you soon. And her mom's like, I'll miss you already. And I read something in that Vanity Fair article I don't know if I specifically mentioned it yet, but there's an oral history of Vanity Fair online. And I think the person who plays the mom was saying something like that felt like a really poignant quote to be saying on this show. Yeah. I mean, that was the last. uh, I just had a thought in my head. I think that was actually. Is that the last line of the whole show? Yeah, I think that's the last line of the whole show because you don't hear anything. It's just the isn't the Grateful Dead playing yeah, no, maybe. it's not the Grateful Dead playing at the end. What's the song? Of I, d- I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, Lindsay, she's on the bus, drives away. Then she gets off the bus at another stop, and Kim Kelly's waiting for her. And Along with the deadheads. Yeah, they go and climb into the van with the deadheads and go and follow them on tour. Yep. And the van has a don't panic guy on the side yeah. <laughs> from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, I do love Hitchhiker's Guide. And that is the end of the whole series, unfortunately. Yep. You never... It would have been nice to find out what happens like when she comes back, like how much trouble she's in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you want to rate this? Yeah. Uh, this is probably my second favorite episode of Freaks and Geeks. Yeah. Uh, it's really good. The one with Bill and the Peanut is my favorite just because of it's so Bill. I, I don't know. Any Bill-centric episode is my favorite. <laughs> um, but this one's so good for everyone. It really sets up like it feels like a se- season finale, but it is a fine way to end the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get kind of change and closure with all the characters. Kim wants to kind of move on and she sees like how good things can be when she sees how Lindsay's life is. Daniel finds like something for himself. The geeks get some redemption in seeing that they have some cool people that want to hang out with them. Yeah. I get to see Harris. Uh, <laughs> Lindsay is continuing her spiritual, whatever the hell she's going through. Nick realizes disco's okay. 
Ken, I don't know what happens with Ken. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he realizes Ken, that he was right about disco sucking. <laughs> I guess. Uh, you don't even get to see Ken with his girlfriend in there. Cause, well, probably because they filmed it before. Yeah. All that. But Ken got a girlfriend and, you know, all that stuff was going on. So I do... I do love this episode. I'm going to give it five Fagos out of five. I had a feeling you were going to say Fagos. I really like this episode for something that, I mean, they wrote it as a finale and they assumed it was going to be the series finale. And I'm glad that they had that opportunity. They didn't know. Actually, after they filmed this, NBC ordered five more episodes. (laughs) So kind of some false hope there. But they tied it up really nicely. Like I was saying, I really like the scene where they're playing Dungeons and Dragons, even despite the fact that I have never played it. I just think it's a really good moment with Daniel befriending people that he ordinarily would have never been caught dead talking to even. And he's having a really fun time. Like he really is enjoying himself. He wants to do it the next day. He's just growing as a person, it seems like. I actually want to disagree with you there. I think that Daniel doesn't mind who he talks to. Oh, really? I mean, he's talked to Harris before about stuff. He clearly didn't mind, like, bringing Lindsay into the fold of things. That's true. I think that Daniel talks to whoever the hell he feels like. Okay. So, anyway, I still think he grew, though. Like like you were saying, he got to win at something. And I like the Nick stuff, too, where he does the dance competition, which is something so unlike what he would have done at the beginning of the series. Especially the fact that it was disco. Disco. And, you know, he wasn't bad at it. He was pretty good, even if he didn't win. And just the whole thing with Lindsay, how she is trying so hard not to be this smart person. And it's kind of interesting because this whole show really is about Lindsay. But her storyline is just kind of like a thread throughout this plot. And it culminates at the end when she does actually, like, leave, get on the bus, and then get off the bus. And that moment where she gets off the bus and sees Kim, I remember watching that live and being like, oh, that's that's a great thing. Like, that's what I wanted to happen. I think that's a big moment for Lindsay. And, yeah, she's going to get in a shit ton of trouble for that eventually. But I think it was important for her character. So I'm giving this one five... Carlos the Dwarves out of five. All right. Perfect. So what Paul Feig said about the second season was that, I don't know if this is the second season or just in general, but Lindsay would become a human rights lawyer years after following the Grateful Dead. Sam would have joined the drama club. Neil would cope with his parents' divorce by joining a swing choir in school. Bill would join the basketball team, becoming a jock, leading to tension with the geeks. I would love to see that. (laughs) Daniel would end up in jail. Kim would become pregnant while on tour with the Grateful Dead. And Nick would feel pressured by his strict father to join the army. Which seems plausible. And that's actually not the worst thing for Nick to do. Yeah, that makes sense. Speaking of all these characters, I want to know, do you think this was the apex of any actors in this show's career like was this the high point for any of them in their career i would probably say sam levine neil that this is the pinnacle of his career i don't remember him from much after this like i know i've seen him and stuff like i mentioned last week he was in like the uh wet hot american summer stuff but and i know he was in inglorious bastards but well i didn't see it but (laughs) i would say him i would also say john francis daly 
I think this is he's done other stuff, but I think this was still the peak for him. It depends on what you consider their career, though, because he has such a different career now as a writer for acting. Okay, so you're just talking about acting. Yeah. Okay. You didn't see Bones. He was great on Bones. Was he a main character in Bones? Yes, he was. I don't think that he could. I think that he was more. <laughs> I actually think that for Linda Cardellini, this is the <gasps> apex of her career. What? I've seen her in some other stuff, but I still think that this, like, I, she was so good in this. She was really good. Like, I don't know. I just think that this is the the best thing, like. You don't think Scooby-Doo? <laughs> Shut up. Um, clearly for the other people, like James Franco, you know, he went on to do things like Pineapple Express. He was in the Spider-Man movies. Uh, he was in Tristan and his old. Knocked up, all of that. Seth Rogen, he wrote Super Bad and then acted in that. Um, Did he write Pine- Pineapple Express too? I think he co-wrote it. Uh, this is the end. He's going to be Pumbaa in the new live-action Lion King. Uh, yeah, Jason Siegel, he wrote the Muppets thing. Uh, I didn't really like that. I kind of did. Uh, <laughs> I saw it in the theater. I love you, man. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Like when he does the vampire thing and forgetting Sarah Marshall, that's, I love that so much. <laughs> forgetting Sarah Marshall is just meh for me. See, Linda Cardellini, she's Hawkeye's wife in Avengers. Uh, she's in Legally Blonde. She's in Brokeback Mountain. She was in Mad Men. She's been in New Girl. She's been in a lot of things. Bloodline. She's one of like the main people in Bloodline. I, I still think that this is like the peak for her in terms of like, like you said, she's been in a lot of other things. I think this is where she was at her best. Okay. I think this is where she was at her best in terms of any of that stuff. Okay. That's not to say she's not good in the other things. I just (laughs) think she was so good as Lindsay in this. Yeah. Uh, And then Busy Phillips. He's just not that into you. White Chicks, Dawson's Creek, and of course, Cougar Town. Yep, I love Cougar Town. <laughs> I uh, wish I could find it somewhere now. Cougar Town, created by the same creator as the creator of Scrubs. Yep. Uh, so that's my Scrubs connection for today. Not Dave Franco, because <laughs> we don't acknowledge the last season of Scrubs that's not a real season. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then clearly, this was not the apex for Judd Apatow. Because he went on to, well, right after Freaks and Geeks, he did Undeclared. Yeah. Which is a great show and one you should definitely watch. But everything skyrocketed for him, I think, when he wrote 40-Year-Old Virgin and directed that. And then the next one being Knocked Up, too. Yeah, so he he's done well. And, I mean, wasn't Funny or Die? Wasn't the website like him and... Oh, was it? I don't know. Uh, somebody else, I forget. But he did well. Yeah, he also produced Girls and Love, which are both great shows. And clearly, Paul Feig's pinnacle is Ghostbusters, right? Bridesmaids? I know. (laughs) I love Bridesmaids so much. Bridesmaids is so good. The scene in the street with Maya Rudolph, I literally was just like dying the first time I saw that. Well, I mean, that whole thing with all of them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But specifically with Maya Rudolph. I guess with Melissa McCarthy, too, in the sink. (laughs) <laughs> uh, the whole thing with her, and isn't it her husband who's the air yeah, marshal? Yeah. Like, that whole scene is my favorite. She, he, <laughs> he's so funny. Yeah, that's a great movie. Uh, anyway, uh, last question from me. Okay. What is something embarrassing that you did in high school? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you did not do that in high school. I didn't know you. Um, 
though that would have been embarrassing. <laughs> embarrassing. Would it help if I went first? Sure. So one day we skipped school for, I think it was a senior skip day. And we went to Cedar Point, America's roller coaster <laughs> in Sandusky, Ohio. And there's a group of us. We, we drove down a couple different cars. So uh, we're there all day. We get there right when it opens. We leave when it closes. On the way back, we stopped and got food at somewhere. And this is before I realized that I was lactose intolerant. <laughs> and so I would just eat dairy and wonder, huh, why do I feel like death? <laughs> well, I had dairy. I had like mozzarella sticks or something. And we're driving and we're like passing through the middle of downtown Detroit. It's like 1130, 12 at night. And it hits me. Uh -oh. like, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> And I was like, we got to find somewhere. To, I got to go to the bathroom. So we pull over. At, we're on the highway. We pull over to the next stop and there's like a gas station, but it's like got like bulletproof glass and like <laughs> barred windows and stuff. I'm like there's no bathroom. Sorry. Go to the next one. Same thing. Try one more. And I'm like, I can't do it. Like I bought napkins. Oh, geez. Which is nothing. And I just went into like a fucking alley in the middle of Detroit and just shit in the alley. In the middle of Detroit, <laughs> and then went the rest of the car ride home, and everyone was just like quiet after that. And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, that's fair." <laughs> wow, that's that's pretty intense. Nothing like, like that happened to me. <laughs> yeah, that was embarrassing. <laughs> I don't have any good poop stories. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to involve poop. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when you started telling that, the thing. The thing that came to mind the most wasn't really from high school. It was from junior high. Does that count? Sure. Okay. I think I've told you this before, but I think I actually maybe even told you recently. Did I tell you yesterday? <laughs> um, in my seventh grade health class, we were watching a movie, and I don't know what it was. It may have been like Vertical Limit, something like that. I don't know. Some guy was climbing a mountain, and his leg broke. And the bone was sticking out of his leg. And I'm really squeamish, like super squeamish. If I hurt myself in any way, I get lightheaded. And when I saw this guy's bone sticking out of his leg, I felt like it was my leg that was broken. And I passed out. And I was in like the first or second row of our class. The lights were all out. And I woke up. And I was on the floor. And... Nobody said anything. I got back up, sat in my desk, and then decided to go and tell the teacher that I passed out. Jesus. <laughs> and <laughs> she was like, oh, okay, come sit up here. And so I like sat in front of the class for the rest of the day. And yeah, nobody saw or said anything. I mean, somebody had to have seen. Not embarrassing then. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had a big, huge rug burn on the side of my face for the whole week. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And it was weird because it was on the opposite side of my face. So I don't know how that happened. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. People said that they didn't notice. I'm sure they did. I felt embarrassed about it. That's the part that matters. Fair enough. <laughs> Do you think that millennials connect to this show? I don't know. Am I a millennial? Yeah. Right? No. Or maybe I'm thinking Gen Z. Like kids that are young kids now? Kids today. Yeah. Gen Z kids, um, I guess. I think some of them, I think any kid could connect to the show. I think it's kind of a universal experience sort of thing. So, yeah, I think that high school kids could probably connect to this show. Yeah, I was kind of wondering because I know that I connected to it because 
I feel like this show is pretty... I know it's set in 1980, but it could have been set at the time that we were in school. Yeah. Basically. You know, they didn't have cell phones. Kids today, do they even leave their cell phones in their backpacks? I know that I had to when I was in no, school. No, God, no. They would freak out. <laughs> yeah. How, how, how do I survive for this 12 minutes? <laughs> and like you guys use tablets in your classes, right? Computers. I don't have com- tablets. Computers. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they're using something in class. Like... I don't think that we ever really use class uh, computers. I think we use them in the computer lab, but mostly we use computers at home. It seems like that environment in general, like the fact that people are just like sitting around and like talking and doing their thing. Like, I don't know how Gen Z kids would relate to that. I think they would still relate. I I think it's a universal experience of just like the awkwardness of high school and trying to figure out who you are. Yeah. Would you want to see a reboot of it? No, not really. Yeah, I'm the same way. I don't want to see a movie. I don't want to see a reboot. I just want it to be like a kind of standalone thing at this point. Yeah, some things are just good how they are. They don't they yeah. have to do it. And I kind of also think that Judd Apatow, in his different movies he's done, he brings a lot of Freaks and Geeks characters or actors into the show. And you can kind of see an extension of those characters on those movies. Yeah, definitely. I think so. So I think that in some ways, Freaks and Geeks has kind of gone on to live that way. So we're on the same page there. And I have one more question. All right, go for it. Are you done otherwise? I've got everything out that I needed to. Okay. My last thing is, of course, Fuck, Mary Kill. Since we did that last week with the Geeks, okay. we now have it with the Freaks. So <laughs> I can go first again if you want. Nope, we're good. You just tell me who the okay. names you want me to go for. Okay, we got Daniel Desario, okay. Nick Andopoulos, okay. Ken Miller. Uh, I'm going to fuck Nick, I'm going to marry Daniel, and I'm going to kill Ken. Whoa. Yeah. Interesting. I feel like Nick would be just too much for me. Yeah, I agree about that. I feel like Daniel is a good guy at heart, and he just doesn't know. I, don't, I think life's just kind of... You don't really learn about his family or backstory, yeah. and I and I know that one of like the things about him with the thing with the show is that like he created a backstory that he didn't tell anybody else. Yeah, did you know that he actually like went to Paul Feig's hometown to like get into character, and he like went to his high school, he met his AV teacher, he like went to the summer school, yeah. and like saw a kid there that was like. He looked like a nice enough guy, but he was rough around the edges and you could tell he had gotten into trouble and he was like, yeah. that's the guy. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I think that guy could be a good guy. Yeah. And uh, Ken, I don't know. Fuck Ken. I mean, kill <laughs> Ken, but you know. Yeah. Um, I hadn't actually thought about it that much. I agree about Nick. I think that Nick is a lot. He's a lot to handle. He's kind of like... Ted on How I Met Your Mother, just to continue the How I Met Your Mother references. Uh-huh. Like, he just gets so wrapped up in these girls, and, like, that's all it is, and he's just a little a little much. So, I think, actually, now that I think about it, I think I'm going to say the same as you. I think I'm going to marry Daniel and kill Ken. All right. And mostly that goes to Ken not being as fleshed out of a character as Daniel, probably, but... Fair enough. Um, so then... Lady-wise, who's your third lady? So we have Lindsay Weir, Kim Kelly, 
and Karen Scarfoli, played <laughs> by nice. Rashida Jones. If that's who it is, <laughs> I'm going to fuck Karen. Because <laughs> I think Rashida Jones is fine as hell. I'm going to marry Lindsay and I'll kill Kim Kelly. Are you thinking just of Rashida Jones or Karen the character? Both. Okay. <laughs> Why uh, marry Lindsay? Why not? <laughs> she's a good person. She's attractive. Yeah. She's got her shit together. Yeah. She's probably going to do good things. I'm the same. Mary Lindsay, for sure. Um, I think I'm going to say fuck Kim Kelly and kill Karen Scarfoli, though. Okay. Even though Rashida Jones goes on to be Ann Perkins on Parks and Rec. Ann Perkins. <laughs> I, love, I love her friendship with Leslie. <laughs> so and you beautiful unicorn <laughs> anyway that wraps up part two of freaks and geeks yes the last part i think yeah. we've covered it all now yeah, hopefully. <laughs> there's nothing left right that's just yeah. the entire freaks and geeks everything that you could possibly talk about yeah <laughs> um next week we'll be getting into our first game show yeah uh double dare nickelodeon's double dare yes specifically family double dare yeah which was the best version of Double Dare. For sure. At least for me, it was. <laughs> yeah, and this was the suggestion of another podcast, Hey Beautiful. I'm just going to keep going with these How I Met Your Mother references because they're a How I Met Your Mother podcast. So they even gave us a specific episode that we should watch, and that's what we're going to do. I can't remember the name of it. Troopers. Look up that. <laughs> Troopers versus somebody. Yep, and we'll also be doing the... <laughs> Tournament of Champions. Yes, that's right. Which is like a double episode. Which is great. <laughs> um, so we'll post those on social media and online. Yep. We're TFGIF podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. So you can follow us there. And, you know, we've been having some conversations with people, especially on Twitter. So if you want to send us any messages there, comment on our posts, especially like the episode posts. <clears throat> been fun yeah please rate us on itunes or wherever the hell you can rate us yeah we now have a rating on stitcher yay thanks person <laughs> yeah so, uh, but yeah. yeah that's it until next week bye, bye.